What's going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. This is David Hasek, and as always, to my left, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. What's going on with you? You, you thought out from this weekend yet, or is it still kind of... Bro, it was so cold <laughs> in Morgan State, man. They have us on the roof calling those games. Hey, you know, shout out to those fans that listen, and you heard the wind going to the broadcast. It was 40-mile-an-hour winds. We are freezing up there in the press box. Uh, not press box, but on top of the, the stadium. Um, so, yeah, it was oh. cold. I didn't throw out until... I crossed the Delaware state line. My feet were so cold. <laughs> it's been a crazy weekend. This whole season, folks, it's basically like a Florida election. You have no idea what's going on. Everything is in chaos, and we still have one week left to go. So it's going to be another crazy, crazy week. We are looking at the final week of the regular season before Selection Sunday. We're at Selection Sunday in a week. Crazy, right? That's you nuts. had it in Division Two and Division Three yesterday. So. Unbelievable. So it's going to be a crazy... I mean, we still have five automatic bids to be decided. We've got all the at-large bids. There could be... Again, teams could win, lose, you know, win the way out of the playoffs, lose the way out of the playoffs, lose and still find their way into the playoffs. We saw that last year. It could be any number of things. But again, folks, if you want to listen back on any of the podcasts from Week 1 to Week 11... Talking about all this craziness, you can find them on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. And don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com for all of your football news and notes. Emery, let's get right into it, because as we said, a lot more craziness went down yet last week. And just when you think the CAA is going to figure itself out, it turns around and throws you another curveball. Towson, they've been looked iffy the last couple weeks. They take on Elon, who looks safe. And Towson absolutely goes off 41-10 over Elon. Crazy, crazy game, and Tom Flacco was back on it. Yeah, he was back on it. When he doesn't turn the ball over and when he plays well situationally, they win games. And they needed that win in the worst way possible because they were on a run right right then and there to possibly lose themselves out of the playoffs. So credit (laughs) Flacco, credit them for playing great defense because we know Elon's offense is a challenge because of you know, the option that they run or the, the form of the option that they run. Right. Defense stepped up. Flacco protected the football. Great team win for the Tigers. Now, what does this mean for Elon? Obviously, they came into this game. They're ranked number seven. Does this loss put them back on the bubble with how competitive the CAA has been? Absolutely. I I think you have to. I think the magic number is seven D1 wins. Yeah, something to, like that. Something like that to get Craig Haley at Craig Haley would probably be best to, to you know, to answer that, but I do believe it's seven wins. Right. And right now their record is what, six and four? I believe six and four, yeah. They're six and four right now. I'm looking at it right here. They Elon is four and two in conference. They're six and three. And they they do have uh, a, a very quality win, but that makes next week's game against Maine critical because Huge. they can't lose that game and finish the season at six and four. Right. Because they don't have seven wins. And Maine is looking at the CAA title that week, amazingly. Oh, Southeast Missouri State, you had it in the palm of your hands. You literally had to win out because this was the last week Jacksonville State had a playoff game, a game in conference, and they lose to Murray State 40-38 to on a squib kick, kick return for a touchdown when they thought they had the game won. This is why the squib kick is a bad idea because something like this can happen. Is SEMO out now, or do they still have enough to get in for you? Well, we'll get into that in a minute, but this is why coaches break things. You know, you <laughs> you have the game won. You're just trying to kill a clock and, and get, get away with the victory and perhaps the title of, you know, the OVC. 
and this happens. That is why coaches flip out. That's why you run those extra gassers after practice. To, when coaches say it's finished, that's why all of that is important. So right. you can close out games like this. Great teams close out games. They didn't close out that game last week. Uh, it's just, you got clipboards snapped in half. Headsets are gone. You got flying. your coach eating pizza in the in the in the hallway. <laughs> How coaches go gray, and in some cases go bald. Um, the Missouri Valley Conference continues to be a muddled mess, and we might have seen another team drop from the rankings. We had a couple actually, but Youngstown State pulls spoiler again. They knock off Northern Iowa, thirty-one to ten. Again, the Panthers had to just win out. They had to keep winning. That was their only real chance to get in. They lose another game as a ranked team to Youngstown. Might be it for the Purple Panthers, but a good game for Youngstown. Penguins looked good today. Again, they're a good team. And when you look up, you look at this football team and where they're good at, running the football, Tevin McCasser over 130 yards rushing. The defense really stepped up today or that day and shut down Northern Iowa, and that has been their biggest bugaboo. They haven't really been able to have both show up on game day. It happened this week at Stanball Stadium and pretty much closed the door on Northern Iowa. Again, there's so many question marks in the Missouri Valley, and one of the one of the best stories that no one is talking about is the run of Indiana State, the Sycamores who had a absolutely abysmal year last year. They were winless, I believe. They go back home and they knock off Illinois State, 28-23. Redbirds are done, and the Sycamores all of a sudden have a chance for an at-large berth. If you're not putting head coach Kurt Mallory atop your coach of the year right now <laughs> no. you're, you're doing it wrong if he's not at least in your top three I'll give you that if yeah. he's not in your top three you're doing your list wrong because to go from winless to now on a precipice of perhaps a playoff appearance hell of a turnaround for Indiana State crazy turnaround I mean they're one of the best stories Incarnate Words another one that entire Southland is a a story the Southland is just crazy you got Abilene Christian with a chance to make the postseason again we'll talk about that later another crazy game though in the CAA number 12 versus number 11 Stony Brook in Delaware kind of a snooze fest in this one but Stony Brook gets the hard-earned win which opens the door for UMaine and it also puts a lot of pressure on Delaware and, and Elon too Delaware has been this team I know they've done a good job in, in spurts, but they lost to North Dakota State. Yep. They lose to Stony Brook. Yes, they beat Towson. But I am still not as sold on Delaware, man. And to be completely honest, yep. this was a game of two similar teams. We know Delaware can run the football. We know Delaware has really good defense. We know Stony Brook can run the football. We know Stony Brook has really good defense. The game really came down to which quarterback can make plays throwing the football. Who yep. can you trust throwing the football? You really can't trust any of them, but <laughs> yeah. Stony Brook was able to make less mistakes passing than Delaware, and that right there was the key and why the Seawolves won the ball game. The legend of Joe Carbone continues. But you never know which one you're going to get, man. <laughs> but you talk about you talk about Delaware, though. They You're right. They haven't looked convincing, even in their wins. They beat Albany 21-16. They only beat Towson by four. They only beat Elon 28-16. So, that, again, it was kind of like McNeese a few weeks ago where they were kind of like – they're due for a loss somewhere in here. They were flirting with one. Exactly. Let's talk about McNeese for a second here because they were our favorites, I think, for both of us going into this season. It was going to be McNeese, maybe Nichols winning the Southland Conference. They might not make the postseason now. They lose in overtime to Northwestern State 37-34. What happened to McNeese this past, se- past couple weeks? That was a hell of a job by the receiver to, to, to snag that ball oh. in overtime. Like He went up high. 
and I forgot his name, but he's one. He's a junior. Uh, but again, the guy that's on the horse in the McNeese logo—that was me early in the season. I was all in on McNeese. I was, you know, ready to, to stake the claim that they're going to be a top five team. Yep, had them in my top five, and they just have lost it offensively. That has been the biggest shock to me is that offensively they just struggle to put points up on the board. Now they put 34 on the board, and if McNeese scores 34, you expect them to win because they have really yeah. good defense. Yeah. But shout-out to Northwestern State, Coach Brad Laird, getting his guys ready to play a, a, you know, a, a conference game, a rival game, in-state rivalry, and finishing the drill in, in double overtime. Northwestern State quietly, they've now got wins over McNeese, Grambling, and Lamar this season. So, again, only four and six. But they've got a couple of decent wins on their schedule. Convincing wins, too. Yeah, very convincing. One other game we want to touch on here. Again, the the Big Sky, we knew three teams were going to get in. The question was, would there be a fourth? And the only team that we could really see was Idaho State. Possibly the Bengals slipping in. Cal Poly might have just crushed those dreams. 34-17. Dominant performance by Cal Poly. Idaho State just didn't have it. Here's the thing with Idaho State. Even though they lost, and I agree with you, Cal Poly may have put the death nail in their their season. However, they are still six and four, one game left. What a chance to to notch a big victory over Weber State. True, if, and that would get them in at seven wins and a landmark victory. So they're not out of it yet. Yeah, you know the Big Sky still has the Big Sky has two games this week. You have Weber State, Indiana, uh, uh, Idaho State, and. Montana, Montana State, a rivalry game that could potentially push one of those teams into an at-large spot. You never know. That's true. They're both at 6-4, and four, also both 4-3, and three, so a very even matchup. A couple of other games real quick that we'll mention that uh, earned some teams some playoff spots. Jacksonville State, they are the OVC champions, 41-14 over Tennessee State. San Diego and Davidson had a wild one. We got some game balls to come up with from this one. 56-52 gets the Toreros back in as champions of the Pioneer. And Kennesaw State dominates Monmouth 51-14. They win the Big South. And if they're not the number two team in the country for everybody, something's wrong with your head. Oh, it's it's a crime if they're not number two. They're a strong crazy. number two. I can't wait till we get into our playoff who's in, who's out. Yeah, yeah. Because we're going to talk about our top four seeds because that's critical in this year's FCS playoffs, in my opinion. It all depends on where you are in the bracket. Yep. It could mean everything. Let's talk about some game balls here, and I'm going to kick things off with that San Diego game. I got two from this one. Anthony Lawrence and Michael Bandy, the wide receiver. Lawrence, I mean, again, if he's not on some NFL team's radars, I don't know what's wrong. Because 24 of 36, 556, seven touchdowns. And Michael Bandy, 10 receptions, 324 in the air, and four scores. I mean, come on. Show some defense out there, Davidson. You know, that's all they're going to work on in the spring. <laughs> yeah. They got the offense down oh, yeah. pat. They're great on offense. Yeah. They had a huge lead in this ball game. And I remember texting you saying, like, wow, look at Davidson. Yeah. You know, they could probably pull yeah. it off. And then their defense happened. <laughs> this is how you have to go. This is how you have to score 91 points to win a game against a Division three opponent. Yeah. Your defense is just questionable. So, yeah, they're, they're going to work all on defense. That was your offensive player of the game? Yep. Offensive player of the game for me, player of the game, player of the week, Colin Eady, running back, Princeton, mm-hmm. 25 carries, 266 yards, 10.6 yards a carry, three touchdowns, unbelievable. 
unbelievable. Unreal. And Princeton as a whole, three running backs, all with 100-plus yards, and all of them had two touchdowns. Princeton is, again, thank goodness for most of these teams they're not making the postseason. I was about to say, are they in the playoffs for you or not? They should be. If they were in the playoffs, what seed would you give them? If Princeton's in the playoffs right now, I don't give them a top four seed. I don't think they're, they get a top four seed. You don't think an undefeated team? But they get a bye. I got you. Okay, I so think they're top are, eight. I think they're top eight. For me right now, they're six or seven okay. in the country. That's fair. Cause ju- just because of who they play. Right. That's the only reason. Other than that, dominance. Like, I would love to see a Princeton-Colgate game. Because that would just be crazy. I want to see a Princeton-North Dakota State game. I want the big dogs. <laughs> Can you imagine if that if Princeton beat North Dakota State? How would that go over? The beauty them? about what they have going on, they're undefeated. They score a lot of points, 50 points a game. They play great defense. And they don't have to compete in the playoffs. So they could talk all the what-if trash they want to. Oh, man, we would easily be Yeah, we would have beaten them. Like, we would have easily beaten North Dakota State. Come see, on. See, here's the thing, though. They would go into the, th- the uh, thesaurus to make sure they get the SET words in. Right. <laughs> well, they're talking trash, so nobody knows what they're talking about. <laughs> Can we just make this the Colgate Defensive Team of the Week award? Because Colgate did it again. They played Lehigh. And I'm shocked to say their defense is slipping. They allowed a touchdown. But they did rectify it by blocking extra by points. blocking the extra point. Talk they about only being allowed six. They have they are, at this point with one game to go. They've allowed three point two two points per game this season, and their last game is away at Army, which could be a phenomenal ball game. That is going to be an excellent ball game, and I love your pick of the the defense for Colgate. Obviously, we got to give shout outs to those that got shout outs. Morgan State beating Delaware State nine nothing. Charleston Southern with a 16 nothing win over Gardner Webb. So you get a shout out, a uh, shutout, you get a shout out. So, My defensive yeah. player of the game or player of the week, I'm going to your Pioneer Football League that hey. you abandoned this year. <laughs> going to the Pioneer, Will Warner, defensive back, 6'3, 201. He's a junior. Three interceptions in this ball game in a 13 10 win over Red Hot Marist. <laughs> so Marist was, was Red Hot. They lose to Drake. Will Warner has three intercepts, giving him eight on the season. He's a big defensive back with ball skills. Obviously, I'm earmarking him for next year for the NFL draft prospects, you know, mm. 2020. Interesting. Because you don't find guys that big that, that have range and ball skills. But three interceptions and a defensive win, Yeah, that's huge. Against that team, which, which, which has Justin Christian, who's been on a tear yeah. recently for Maris. That's a great job defensively by Drake, but Will Warner with three intercepts, that's huge. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my, my group of the week, and those are the Davidson running backs, the other <laughs> side of the spectrum. So you had four running backs with oh, not over 100 yards, over 150 yards. They rushed for seven touchdowns as a group, and they lost the ball game. <laughs> Wes, I mean, Wesley Duggar, I mean, this kid's a sophomore. He is going to be a pro prospect in a couple years. He has to be. 15 carries, 231. He only had one score. We had, you had Wicks, 19 carries, 197 with three. Phelps chips in with 153 and a touchdown. Brown with 150 and two scores. And they lost the ball game. They run, how many, like, the, the, the team stats are just nuts if you look at this game, folks. They ran for 789 yards and lost the game. But... Credit where credit is due, and credit to the offensive line of Davidson as well. Like I said, all spring, all they're working on is defense. <laughs> That's it. Offense, you can you can take this week off. We have identified the issue. 
who are going to get better defensively. Ah, uh, craziness. Absolute craziness. Um, and also, Team of the Week, Incarnate Word. What a week for Incarnate Word. They are now co-champions Co-champs. of the Southland. Coach when of the year, had, too. I not put, put them up there. When they had, what, one win last season? One win, and now they are more than likely in the playoffs. In the coach's first season. Craziness. Absolute craziness. And let's – we're talking playoffs. We've got one week until the playoffs get, get selected. Oh, I can't wait to that show because oh. you <laughs> last year was know. Last year was nuts. This year made – you know what? Last year was nuts because of who we thought was in. Right. We thought McNeese and Austin P were clearly in with nine wins. Right. They weren't – that set off a firestorm. Right, exactly. This one we may be more reserved. This one may the, – the firestorm may happen because of the seating. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be key. Exactly. Crucial. And let's talk about that seating, Emery. Let's start with, you know, how they – obviously, you have the top eight seeds get a buy. Right. But as you said, there are some – there are three or four dominant teams this year that – if they get put on the same side of the bracket, could you know just wreck one another's chances of going to the national title game? So if you had to pick, obviously there are eight buys in the first round. Right. Who are your top four seeds? Right. Because right that because the top four seeds would be the corners. Right? right. Exactly. So you want the one one and four on one side, two and three on the other side, and they meet up in the final four. Right. For the right to go to the champ. That's how you ideally want it, right? Right. Number one, North Dakota State. Until you beat the Bison, they are entrenched in number at number one. Exactly. Number two, Kennesaw State. For a team that runs the option, they are dominant defensively. Yes. And they are explosive offensively. They are a better version of Wofford in Wofford's heyday. Right. Yeah. And when it, when Wofford was good. Yeah. So they are, to me, a strong number two. Number three, Colgate. I don't care. I've said this before. I don't care who you play, (laughs) how you play, where you play, what level. It is hard to get shutouts. Yeah. Three points a game. That's on last week, Lehigh scored 45. Right. They came to a screeching halt because that touchdown came early. It didn't score the rest of the game. Yeah. Colgate's defense is championship worthy. Their offense is a direct beneficiary of that because they get so many possessions. Right. Which is great because now it becomes clock control. They have a very good offensive line. James Holland is one phenomenal tailback. Yep. They got the recipe. Yeah. And number four, this is a toss up because this one shocked me a little this bit. This one shocked me before. I would say Weber State would be number four for me. Mm. I'm a big fan of Weber State's defense. Now I wasn't as high on Weber State coming into the season. Still wasn't giving them as much credit um, as we went on during the year. I thought they were kind of hollow victories. They've won five straight. They're playing really good defense. I know they lost to Eastern Washington. No, they beat Eastern. We um, never beat Eastern. They, they lost. They, they recently lost. A, no, they didn't they lose a the game. They lost to Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona, because um, they're on a five-game winning streak, like I just said. So their defense is great. Now their offense is is probably the question mark. Right. Eastern Washington has the offense and the defense, so I can understand why someone would say Eastern Washington over Weber. But for me, I like Weber's defense and their defensive consistency a little bit more than Eastern Washington. Because Eastern Eastern Washington is because they had to go through a full identity change midseason. Obviously, you lose Gubrud right at about what week four, week five. And, so and they went from 
a full-blown passing attack to now more of a balance. mixed bag. They're, they're and balanced. it's really benefiting them. So I agree with North Dakota State at number one. I also agree with Kennesaw at number two. I would put Eastern Washington three. Mm-hmm. And I think Colgate will end up four at this point. Again, only because of what conference they're coming out of. Which no, by the w- way, would you put them four? I I see. I still would put them four. Okay. But here's the thing too, with them at four, I believe that means they would meet North Dakota State in the semifinals. That if would they make be a it. fantastic game. See, I think that's a nightmare, a nightmare for North Dakota State, and here's why: North Dakota State has blown out everybody they've played. Right. Basically, the only games they have been close with. South Dakota State, they only beat them by four, and they only beat Youngstown 17-7. What do those teams have in common? Defense. A solid defense and then an offense that controls the ball. And if you have a defense that can get North Dakota State off the field every time instead of two out of three, that's a problem. That's a big, big problem. And it's not just a good defense. They have a great championship defense. Yeah, exactly. So... You know, when we did the, the, the podcast a couple of days ago, or a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about teams that had a chance of beating North Dakota State, we talked about Towson. Yeah. You know, we talked about Kennesaw. Right. Colgate is now, I think, ahead of Kennesaw, in my opinion, yep. of a team because they match up physically along the line of scrimmage of a team that can beat North Dakota State. Yes. Kennesaw would be second, but I would I am high on Colgate. Let's go through this, though, because I, I actually went through, again, 24 spots in the playoffs. 24. So Shout out to the FCS playoffs. I put out, I put up together, okay, these teams are going to be in. Whether or not they get an automatic bid or not, these are the teams that are going to make it. So I want to go through these teams. So, all right, so I broke, you did it that way. I broke it down. Who's in right now? Right. Who are locks and who's on a bubble? Right. Okay, so, I, so what I've done, I've, I've got all the teams that I think are going to be in definitely, and then I've got four spots that are right now, for me, there are nine teams that can take those four spots. Okay. So I've got, obviously, the five automatic qualifiers. Eastern Washington, UC Davis, Weaver. They're all, they're all in, for sure. Yeah, they, they have eight wins. They're, they're in. Delaware, Maine, Towson, Stony Brook, JMU from the CAA. So I you, think they're you all You have five teams. At this point, I've got five in the CAA. South Dakota State gets in as an at-large. East Tennessee State and Wofford. I think they both make it out of the SOCON. Nichols. Incarnate Word, McNeese. I think McNeese has enough to get in at this point for me. And then whoever wins the NEC championship, which could is right now a three-way tie. Right. Literally dead even between Central Connecticut, Sacred Heart, and Duquesne. So I've got four spots open for nine teams. And the nine teams I've got on the bubble, I've got Monmouth, Elon, A&T. People are forgetting about A&T at this point. Northern Iowa, Indiana State. Southeast Missouri, Furman, Lamar, and Abilene Christian. And if I have to pick four teams out of that group right now, I'm going A&T, Monmouth, SEMO, Elon. Those are the four that right now are in for me on the bubble. I agree with a lot of what you said there. I'm going to go about it this way. The teams that I have in right now, and correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. Kennesaw. Yep. They're in with the championship, right? Yep. North Dakota State. Yep. Jacksonville State. Yep. Colgate. Yep. San Diego. Yep. Co-champs, Eastern, East Tennessee. Yep. And Incarnate Word. Yep. They are in. So that's two, four, six, seven teams right there. Right. Here are teams that are locks to me. 
Weber, Eastern Washington, UC Davis. Correct. Doesn't matter who wins it. Right. All three of those teams are in. A&T is a lock for me. Really? You've got them in permanently. They got a D1 win. They beat a conference champion, Jacksonville State. And when I say D1, an FBS win. And a team that's going to be making the tournament, which is another something the committee takes into account. Exactly. So they have a good resume. True. And they have a game left. The the Aggie Eagle Classic and with a chance to win against Central, which will give them nine wins. Right. So they're in. South Dakota State is a lock. The Northeast Conference champ, lock. Whoever it is, right. lock. CAA champ, whoever it is, lock. Nichols is a lock. Wofford is a lock. Okay. Here are my bubble teams. SEMO. Yep. Indiana State. Ooh. The, the, the round robin of the CAA, James Madison, Towson, <laughs> Stony Brook, they're on the bubble. At all. <laughs> uh, Monmouth is on the bubble. Right. Idaho State. You still have a shot for Idaho State. I still have a shot for them. Okay. Montana, Montana State. I think the winner of that game has a, has a case. Just because of the conference they're in? Just because of the conference and the seven wins. Okay. Because here's the thing. The Missouri Valley Conference, which everyone talks about, as probably a team that, that, that was going to get like four or five teams in, none of them have seven wins except North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and if Indiana State wins, they will have seven wins. But Western doesn't, Youngstown State obviously doesn't, and Northern Iowa doesn't. So if yeah. they win next week, they all will just have six. Six and five, yeah. So if Indiana State wins, that'll be three teams for the Missouri Valley. If Indiana State loses, then Western, Northern, and Indiana State all miss the playoffs in my opinion. Yeah, I can see it. So, a lot of the bubble teams are because of the Missouri Valley and what's going on. So, let's say if Indiana State loses, I think that pushes Monmouth up, even though Monmouth could have eight wins. But right. they could have been in a situation like Austin P was in last year. Yeah. But Monmouth has eight wins. It'll be tough to keep them out. Um, and you look at who else is on a bubble for me. Elon is on a bubble because they have six. Right, yeah. And if they lose next week, they'll be six and five. Yeah, that's that's questionable. That's questionable. So North Dakota is now back in the mix because of how the Missouri Valley has shaken out. Yeah. The Fighting Hawks still have a chance, uh, albeit a, a very slim one. Right. Sacred Heart and Central Connecticut State are on the bubble because obviously we don't know who. And Duquesne. And Duquesne. We don't know who's going to win the NEC. Abilene, Lamar, and McNeese. Who would have thought we were talking about Abilene, Christian, and Lamar on the bubble? Me. We were, talk, we were talking about <laughs> Abilene, but not. But the, uh, and then to think McNeese is also on that bubble. On the bubble. And here's the thing with the with the Southland Conference. Nichols, again, is the lock. Yeah. Incarnate Word is the lock because they are co-champs. I think you can get three teams out of the Southland end. Yeah. McNeese and Lamar play this weekend. And you know who we're not talking about either is Central Arkansas. Well, that's who Abilene Christian plays this weekend. Right. Which would be a quality win. Right. Yeah, you know, they're 5-5, five and five, but – and McNeese has lost two straight games. Yeah. So you, you're going to get two teams, I believe, out of the Southland. You could possibly get three depending on if Lamar wins or Abilene Christian wins. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's – Now, here's the thing that, that – here's what's going to hurt Abilene Christian – is when you look at their schedule. Yeah. The one nine D one win. So they are essentially I could cross them out now. They they Angelo State. Yeah. You know, solid division two team, but you know, they just fired their coach anyway. So 
this one will come down to Mc- Lamar or McNeese. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's crazy about what's happening again, we you know keep, we don't want to keep talking about, it, but how relatively quote unquote weak the Missouri Valley has been. It's opened up so many possibilities for these other conferences that usually are maybe a one or two bit league to maybe get three or four. So you talk about a team like you know A and T. Obviously, normal year they don't have a shot probably no matter right. what they do. Obviously, things have been unique this year. Although Florida A and M right now is doing their best to try to screw up everything <laughs> at this point. They lost again this week, but didn't count as a conference game for some strange witchcraft. But Florida A and M at this like is obviously they've got control of the of the uh, MEAC. So A and T again a normal year they're not in. This year it's wide open. This is what happens when you have that parity. Parity opens up possibilities. Well, if you, here's the, here's the thing. We've we've seen Florida A and M completely fall off the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Even though the last two losses don't count. Well, the the one uh, loss does. The game against Howard. Yes. That was a conference loss. Yes. The game against South Carolina State didn't count for the conference because of the whole scheduling this year because of Hampton leaving. Right. So that was a free loss, so to speak. If FAMU loses the Florida Classic to Bethune, guess who is now in the Celebration Bowl? It's Howard, isn't it? No, No. it is A&T. A&T's back in. A&T probably (laughs) wants... A&T is going to be the biggest FAMU fans <laughs> this week. They want the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing, though. They've got a rivalry game of their own with Central. And yep. you know Central wants to do one thing and one thing only, knock out A&T no matter what happens with A&M. And here's the thing. If A&T loses this weekend, does that put them in that Austin P. McNeese category? That's why you had them on a bubble? Yeah, that probably. Yeah, I, I think that's probably where it ends up. They're going to be rooting – <laughs> FAMU and are going to be the biggest FAMU fans as well as the Celebration Bowl. They want FAMU in Southern. Yeah. They want the legitimate sellout Yeah, of the Georgia, not Georgia Dome, the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Oh, excuse me. The Mercedes, yeah. Exactly. They but want that one. Let's give, before we go to break, too, a couple other shout-outs to Princeton. They officially won the Ivy League this past week. Absolutely deserved. Absolutely uh, wanted. Southern has won the SWAC West, but the SWAC East is still up for grabs. Here's the thing. With one week to go. Right. Well, mm, and the two teams play each other. It's Jackson State versus Alcorn. Well, Alcorn is going to get that because they have the the added game. Jackson State had a game that was canceled. Um, But here's the thing. Alcorn and Southern are probably steamrolling toward the SWAC title game. Yeah. These teams played earlier in the season. Right. They played in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Now the SWAC title game, because of UAB's success this year, right. is moved on campus. So mm. that game now, that rematch is going to be in Lorman, Mississippi, instead of Birmingham, Alabama. When Alcorn beat them, that game was very close, and Alcorn pulled away. Alcorn had a pick six. Yep. The difference is that Southern's defense is still very good. Yeah. And they've changed quarterbacks. Skelton has played out of his mind. And he, they've won four straight games. Since he took over. Yeah. So Alcorn hadn't faced Skelton. 
Yeah. That's going to be a monumental game. And their defense has come up huge as well. They shut out Prairie View, seven points allowed to Texas Southern and Jackson State. And then Arkansas Pine Bluff, they just kind of, you know, fell off at the end, but they won 56-24. This is a totally different team from the one that Alcorn faced on September 29th. Everyone in the SWAC has losing records except Grambling, or losing streaks except Grambling, Southern, and Jackson State. Going to be absolutely crazy. Folks, we're going to take a break here for a bit. When we come back, we're going to be talking about rivalries. I love a good rivalry game, and we've got some absolute classics again coming up this week. We're going to talk about what our top rivalry games are. We're going to talk about the ones that are obviously historic. There are going to be some rivalry games that are going to be a huge factor in the playoff picture this, this upcoming week. And I've got one, too, that is going to be a renewal of a rivalry next season that we should talk about because of what has happened this year. Because all of a sudden that game's become a more intriguing game. We'll talk about that in a minute. Again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. We'll be back after this commercial break. Thinking about changing careers? Well, now is the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 1960. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. Again, folks, if you want to listen to any of our podcasts from the past few weeks, go to SoundCloud or iTunes, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. You can get all of your knowledge there. Don't forget to go to football.com, footballgameplan.com. For all of your football knowledge, Emory's got everything going up from the pros to college, and we've even got some high school recruiting stuff that you're going to be working on uh, over the next couple of months. So we got the uh, high school recruiting on there as well. Who told you let that out the bag? You did. <laughs> that is, that's confidence information. <laughs> and then, of course, folks, go to youtube.com slash football game plan for all of the videos. You get the full preview of the FCS. This is just the appetizer, the canapé, if you will, for the week of the FCS action. So don't forget to go in and listen, watch the videos on youtube.com slash football game plan for all of your FCS knowledge. Let's get into a couple of storylines going into the final week because we've got some some interesting ones here before we get into our rivalry games. We've obviously we've got a potential fall of a record coming up this week. Devlin Hodges, the quarterback uh, from Samford, put up another. He's over at over fourteen thousand career passing yards at this point. He's been phenomenal. If he puts up, I believe he is three hundred and sixteen yards behind the all-time FCS passing record. Currently held by Steve McNair at all court from 91 to 94. The way Sanford runs their offense, I don't think there's any way he doesn't get this record because they're just going to throw the ball all day long. I'm about to say, the coaches know what the record is. They're going to try to get him 
you know, the record. Get him 317 and then pull him. Yeah, they're <laughs> going to try to get him the record and the win, but they're going to try to they're going to play their offense like you said. And then one other storyline too. Again, a storied career coming to an end. Jimmy Laycock, but he could go out with a milestone. Jimmy Laycock, the head coach of William & Mary, they got another win this week. They've played very well, by the way, the second half of this season. But he is now on 249 career victories. (laughs) One game left to go. The Capital City Classic against Richmond for 250. That's a very winnable game, too. That's a very winnable game, and that is going to be an intense atmosphere. And I know he's going to say it doesn't matter. Oh, it matters. He's going to be in the back of his head. He's like, I want something ending with a zero. I want 250. So that's going to be a great game to watch. (laughs) Talk about the Capital City Classic. Let's talk rivalry games, Emory, because, again, this is what makes college sports so great. And what makes sports great is rivalry games. What are your top rivalries in the FCS? Quite a few of them being played this weekend. What's your like top three or four that you have? Harvard, Yale, easily, number yes. one. Grambling Southern, the Bayou Classic, that's a good one. Yeah. I think that's number two. I actually like uh, VMI and the Citadel. Military Classic of the South. I love that one. So those are my top three. And... Being a Louisiana guy, I already gave you, uh, <laughs> I already gave you the the one uh, with Grambling and, and Southern in the Bayou Classic. But you gotta always talk about another one in the South, and this one was was pretty cool because it was it was one that used to be played, and um, you know when the teams moved away, they they stopped playing it. But when right, uh, UL Monroe and Northwestern State used to play, yeah, a lot. That was a big one, and McNeese and. My Louisiana Region Cajuns, the Cajun Crown, was another huge one um, yeah. that used to be played. But those those are my uh, favorite ones in the FCS. There's a bunch too, but those are my favorite ones there's, in the FCS. I was about to say, there's almost every game this weekend is a rivalry. Yeah, it's rivalry week weekend. Of one rivalry week. Rivalry weekend. <laughs> good, good enunciation. Desmond <laughs> Wits. Uh, right. But you talked about Harvard Yale, the game. This is the 135th meeting uh, coming up this year. Got to talk about the rivalry, Lehigh and Lafayette. This is meeting 154 this weekend in Pennsylvania. Got to give a shout-out to, again, want to talk about a consequential rivalry games, the Brawl of the Wild. You talked about it. Montana, Montana State, both on six wins, both on the bubble. And remember, last year, Montana State beat Montana to knock them out. So that's going to be a little revenge factor there. The Florida Classic. That's another. That's another huge one. Bethune Cookman and A and M. As we said, if somehow A and M throws this all away in the last three weeks, it's going to be because of their biggest rival. And by the way, I love the kicker for Bethune Cookman. Bro, he is the funniest <laughs> dude in America right now. He's what five like four, five, five, like two fifty, <laughs> and he's just he's staring down kick. <laughs> Did you see the the duel of the kickers? Yes. One like he gets he misses. They call they call the penalty. He makes it. Oh, I got ice in my vein. <laughs> this guy from Bethune Cookman comes out. Uriel Hernandez makes the, makes the kick. Turns around, just stares at the bench constantly. He's not even like he's not even doing any movements. He's just staring. He's just looking at him. What makes it funny is the, is the fact that he's 5'4", 250. <laughs> like he was a, if he was a normal size kicker, it wouldn't it wouldn't be it's be like a kicker talking trash. But the fact that he's short and thick like a fire hydrant, he that's just, what makes it hilarious. <laughs> he's just that guy who just doesn't doesn't give a damn. It, he doesn't. He doesn't give a damn. One other rivalry game and again, this is one that hasn't been played in a few years. It's going to be renewed next year. Is North Dakota North Dakota State? 
because North Dakota now moving back to the Missouri Valley Conference. They haven't played this game since 2015. I think it's like 80 or so matchups. But the way North Dakota's played this year, all of a sudden, that's going to be an interesting ball game. And this was a game that used to – I remember uh, there was this, this football special that came on on NFL Films when I was growing up. It, it was talking about – it was called Football in America. Yep. And they talked about North Dakota, North Dakota State. And it was interesting to see. I was like, man, they got a school in North Dakota? Like, they had the ND on the house. I was like, wow, they, like, really? Like, who? That was maybe like <laughs> 11. But uh, it was interesting to see that history. And you talked about uh, that game being back on. That will be the 112th meeting. Now, there's a couple of rivalries that are at that, that triple digit plateau. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, how do we not talk about this one? The rivalry between Lafayette and Lehigh. Yeah, exactly. Like the oldest. The game, yeah. 150 other meetings. 153. Princeton Yale has played 141 times. Harvard Yale, 134. The Capital Cup, Richmond and William & Mary, 128. That's fourth. That's crazy. In the FCS. That's crazy. Trustees Cup, Cornell, Penn, Dartmouth and Harvard, 122. Uh, the Brawl of the Wild, 116. The South Dakota Showdown Series between South Dakota South Dakota State this weekend, one thirteen, uh, Harvard Princeton, one eleven, one eleven for the Nickel Trophy with North yep. Dakota North Dakota State, Penn and Princeton one ten, and uh, the battle for the Bryce Cowell Musket, your favorite. That I mean I love that just because they play for a gun. That's, exactly, that's, 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 that's crazy. Awesome. We got the Dakota Marker game one oh eight, Eastern Illinois Illinois State in the Mid America Classic. 107 Empire Cup between Cornell and uh, Columbia 105. That game coming up this weekend. Governor's Cup. I've been to one before. Brown and Rhode Island 103. Turkey Day Classic. Now break this one down for us. Well, because it's Alabama State and Tuskegee, which is a Division II program, but Tuskegee is one of those Division II teams that tends to beat teams in the SWAC. Right. Um, so they're a really good team. And the last two, Cornell and Colgate 100, Cornell and Dartmouth. One oh two. I mean, basically any like any of the Ivy League schools yeah, they, that just play each other yeah, they, forever, right? They, right, because they they were one of the first ones to start the game. So exactly. So it, it, again, folks, the rivalry games are going to be all over the place this weekend. I mean, you're looking everywhere from the battle for Chief Cato, Northwestern State, and Stephen F. Austin is a great one. That's a good one. Uh, you've got obviously battle of the Blue Trophy, Delaware and Villanova. Which I don't know. Are they playing? I think they're playing each other this weekend. I'm pretty sure. You got the the Battle of the Piney Woods. That's always a good one. That one is played <laughs> early in the season. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some rivalry games that are just like week two, and you're like, yeah, exactly. Why? Got, of course, like the, like the Battle of the Domes between Idaho and Idaho State. Like <laughs> they're playing that in like week four. Like you both have domes. Play that in, in like November. That's when it should be done. Let's get into the the final week of the regular season, Emory. And before we get into some of the games, we're going to break down here in a second. The critical games of this weekend. The critical games. As we said, Jackson State, Al- Alcorn for the SWAC East. Interesting ball game there. East Tennessee State hosting Samford. Remember, Hodges is going for the record. East Tennessee State's looking for the automatic bid. Right. Huge game there. We mentioned Colgate versus Army. Best defense in Division One, if not college football, anywhere against Army, who's having a very good season in the FBS. There, I believe, I think they have at seven wins at this point, seven or eight wins. Yeah, I think they're at seven or – I think they're at eight, man, maybe. They've like had – Army right now, uh, obviously they're, they're headed to a bowl game, but I'll tell you right now, Army has, as an FBS independent, eight wins. They're eight and two, five and zero oh at home. 
and they have won the Commander in Chief's Trophy already. They already. have retained that against Air Force and Navy. Big game, Jacksonville State, Kennesaw. Now, again, this is a rematch, I believe, from last season at about this time, and things got a little crazy. Can, can, like, that's a massive game for Kennesaw. That's a huge game, man. For, again, for seeding purposes, because Jacksonville State's looking at a bye as well, probably. If as strange as that may seem, right? Because and that also strengthens A and T's case if Jacksonville State wins, right? So craziness. Idaho State, one of your bubble teams at Weber, huge game. Elon at Maine, Elon on the bubble, Maine looking for the CAA title. Who I didn't even see that at the beginning of the season. That's essentially Maine. a playoff game for Elon, in my opinion. Towson JMU, the ultimate test of where is JMU actually going to be in this thing? Because at right at this point. JMU doesn't get a buy from me. Let's say JMU loses. If JMU loses to Housen, I don't think they get a buy. They, they, right. They'll so they'll have to, you know, start in the first round and, and run the table. Do you think a seventy four JMU team can run a table? See, I I don't know though. I, I don't think they can. I really don't think that but here's the thing. If JMU doesn't get a buy, where do they end up in the bracket? Because imagine they get like Colgate in the first round. You know, or like after they get through the first round, they get to Colgate, who's got to buy, or they end up on the same side as North Dakota State in that same quadrant. They did that before. That's how they got to the. That would be nuts. Right. Absolutely nuts. A um, and T Central events in that Indiana State at Western Illinois. Now again, Western lost this week, so that pretty much ends their chances. They're five and five. Right now, they can ruin somebody else's chances. They knock off Indiana State, which at home absolutely possible. It just ruins everything for the Missouri Valley. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that ball game. South Dakota, South Dakota State. Good test for South Dakota State as well going into the postseason and at large. Duquesne, Central Connecticut, basically playing for the title. But there's so many permutations to the NEC that literally any of those teams could win. It's oh, right. absolutely nuts. And then, as you said, Lamar at McNeese. Shout out to the entire Crazy. FCS independents because they all finished with winning records. That is actually true. North Dakota's gotten a lot of the headlines, but North Alabama, playing kind of a half-and-half schedule, has looked very good. And Hampton, with their crazy schedule, have done what they need to do. North Alabama has won four straight. Hampton has won five straight. Albeit, granted, Hampton just, like, (laughs) finished playing Connecticut (laughs) School of Broadcasting and Connecticut School of Broadcasting (laughs) at Minnesota. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, their last three wins, folks, are... Mississippi Valley State, SUNY Maritime, and Virginia Lynchburg. And they finished with St. Andrews this week. Where the hell is St. Andrews? Scotland. I've been there before. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing a whole bunch of Highlanders with kilts. Are, uh, are they taking the pirate ship over there? <laughs> They're taking something over there. I don't know what it's going to be. Let's get into some of the games for Week 12. Starts on Friday, actually. Eastern Washington at Portland State. Eastern Washington basically looking to finish off and clinch the Big Sky title. Big ball game on Friday night. Since we gave Portland State the curse and talked about how they've been improved, <laughs> they lost two straight games. But this is a, a one that could get crazy because it's Friday night, last game of the season. Portland State is kind of good. I'm not saying they will pull the upset, but East of Washington <laughs> has to be careful here. Um, let's talk. Let's get into the uh, rest of the Villanova, Delaware. Again, the Battle of the Blue. Uh, talk about a team that what could have been for Villanova. And now Delaware. With a loss last week, they've slipped a little bit. They've been inconsistent. This is a statement game for both programs in totally different directions. Your 7-4 New Hampshire team will come from the CAA again this year. Oh, yeah. You know, so if Delaware loses and they, they finish 7-4, they'll get in. 
a seven and four team in the CAA will get in again this year. Speaking of UNH, they are not making the postseason this time. Which well, I, think... I know you are happy with it, aren't you? <laughs> well, that snaps the streak. I believe it's what thirteen or fourteen consecutive years. I think it was years thirteen, right? That's, that's that they made falling. the postseason. So and that's... they they had a little run in the beginning, and then they lost a game. Now they won three straight. Does a five and six New Hampshire team? <laughs> I, I will go to the committee headquarters and, and, and personally punch all of them in the face. Uh, but they play URI, a good season for URI. They had a couple. They have a chance slips. to get a winning season. Yeah, they have a chance for a winning season. URI again. You were very high on them at the beginning of the year. You said they've built in the right direction. We've seen it this season. We'll get to see a statement win. Had they won last week in a game that was very winnable against James Madison, they still got a shot. They had it right. They had a, still had a shot. They had a, they had a shot. Uh, Youngstown State, Illinois State. Again, the what could have been bowl. Youngstown has just been brutal this season. Illinois State have fallen flat on their face. They've been, they've been given every opportunity to make this postseason. They've been ranked at 5-5. Five and five. <laughs> Right. And they lose again. They are, basic, they are done. Youngstown State's done. What are we going to see in this ballgame? A lot of freshmen in this one, you think? Yeah, this is probably going to be a play for next year bowl. I know Youngstown State wants to – both teams want to finish on a high note, but Youngstown State really wants to uh, put an end to Illinois State's season. And I think that's possible to happen because Illinois State has lost, what, five in a row? It's something crazy. It's, they've lo- Matter of fact, Illinois they've, State they've has lost, lost four, four straight games. Now, granted, the first two are North Dakota State and South Dakota State. We kind of expected them they to lose those They were second games. in the nation. Yeah. And then they lose at UNI and at Indiana State. Indiana State. That's not acceptable. Shout out to the Sycamores. So, again. One game away from the playoffs. Craziness. Talk about craziness. This one could end up in about the triple digits. Butler at Davidson in the Pioneer How about League. Butler pulling off the upset last week? How about Butler? Butler that's a couple of upsets. for the, Yeah. The Butler has done it a couple of times. But Davidson... <laughs> As you said, if they had a defense, Davidson is challenging San Diego. They don't. So, what are we going to see now? Are they going to put on the show here at the end of the season? It's always going to be a show. It's with Davidson and their defense involved. So, this one will be take the over in this game. <laughs> then take the over again. Right, exactly. <laughs> this game is going to get nuts. And uh, shout out to Will Marty, the quarterback for Butler, having a really good day and beating Stetson. That was a huge upset. Huge upset. And by the way, shout out to Stetson, though. 7-2 and two this season. Right? Again, no one saw that coming. No one. And they are building in the right direction, too. Interesting ball game here. Monmouth at Gardner-Webb. Now, again, Monmouth, they're on the bubble after losing to Kennesaw, but they are still at, I believe, seven or eight wins. Their bubble is stronger than someone else's bubble. But do they have to win this game convincingly to get in? That's where I was going to go. They have to really beat the brakes off the running Bulldogs. And they have to do it on both sides of the ball. Their defense has to be excellent. Offense has to be on fire. It has to look to the point where you say to yourself, they can't allow this team to not be in the playoffs because look how great they look. Yeah, They have to win style points this week. It's going to be an absolute, That's a critical game for Monmouth. Uh, Savannah State versus South Carolina State. A little bittersweet game here uh, out of the MEAC. Talk, talk about this game, Emory. It's going to be a little crazy. Well, because Savannah State's last game as a Division One team, yep. they're going to be a strong team heading into Division Two. And we don't know if Buddy Pugh will be coaching his last game. So True. this a win here will put them at four and two in the conference, five and five on a season. Talk about rallying the troops. Four straight wins if they win this ball game and complete dominance against Howard, 
against FAMU. They've played really good football. So Buddy Pugh may be rethinking leaving this program mm. because that team is a lot of freshmen, redshirt freshmen and sophomores that have won some big games this year, and they're going to be experienced and talented next year. Tyree Snick is going to be one of the top players in the MEAC uh, during his time as a Bulldog. And let's get to one last game. We mentioned it before, the Capital City Classic, Richmond at William & Mary, the final game of Jimmy Laycock's coaching career in his 39th season as the head coach. I want him to get the 40, man. Oh, it, you think he's going to reconsider if he doesn't win this I game? I wanted him to get the 40 and get the 250. <laughs> that was the plan. If he doesn't win this game, I am not retiring. And every single coach that's looking at that job in the nation, oh, come on! You know that job is going to be a a coveted, highly coveted. That may be more coveted than Louisville. Yeah, yeah. If we're being honest. Uh, now, here's a question for you. The person who gets that job, are they a, an FCS coming from the FCS level, or are they an assistant at the FBS level moving down? That's Who do you a, think, like, where do you, what level do you think that coach is coming from? You know, that's a great point and a great question. I don't know. Because normally when you have tenured coaches like this, they've already announced the coaching waiting, and the coaching waiting is usually there for five years. Right. You know, they haven't here. So they're going to open up this thing because, you, like you said, this job hasn't been open yeah. in 40 years. You you would expect them, because like especially teams that have had success. Like Florida would, State with Jimbo Fisher. You expect you know. them to hire from within. Right. We saw that with Central Arkansas. Bingo. We saw the same thing. Now, William & Mary, though, remember, they haven't played well the last couple seasons. So maybe that's why, you know, if they had played decently, like right. 500 or better. They were consistently in the playoffs. I think you probably see a hiring from within. They haven't done that. So that's why they're kind of like... Let's review our options. Right. We've got options. It's the first time we have options. Because what I'm because what I'm thinking is, if I'm an FBS like offensive, you know, assistant or head offensive or head defensive assistant, I know I'm not going to find a big job on the FBS right away. I go to a top program in the top conference in D1 FCS and make a name for myself for three or four years. I'm shooting right back up. I think we can revisit this next week when the season is over. Because I have a list of potential oh. good hires that would be ideal for William and Mary. Someone has inside sources. Not inside sources, <laughs> but I do have a list of names that would be intriguing for the tribe. Interesting, interesting. Again, folks, there's a whole bunch of crazy games. you got Georgetown looking for a possible over 500 season this year. Who would have thought that? First time since season. 2011. I'll be on that broadcast against Holy Cross, so... That's a usually when I'm calling a Georgetown game this late in the season. <laughs> it's which freshmen are coming in exactly. Now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so to, the fact that Coach Scarlotta, who was the defensive coordinator on that 2011 team, that's a cool story. That's like a cool that. story, and now he's the head coach on on the cusp of having his first winning season. Now, the the sad part is, or not sad part, but the great part for Holy Cross is that they have been playing solid football. Yeah. as of late with their new head coach Bob Chesney, so. This is going to be a underrated, fantastic game this weekend. And I talk about another game that's underrated that's just kind of out of nowhere. Bryant versus Howard. Out of nowhere. Interesting ball game. Yes. Interesting ball game. May not be the best of ball games, but certainly intriguing from top to bottom there. And then we get Selection Sunday. Last week, last year, it was... Chaos. <laughs> chaos. It was texting back. You were, on a, you were, I believe, at a Jets or Giants game. And I'm sending you yeah, who was got the Giants in, game, right? And I'm losing my mind. You're responding, which I believe was just wow, <laughs> or just like just, just like a whole bunch of dots. Yeah. I think that's all it was because like we couldn't believe what was going on. 
the odds of that happening this year are high because the committee. We have no idea, folks. Good luck to your teams going into this final week. The bubble is there to either burst or to be saved. It is up to the players on the field. Five conference champions still to be crowned. We'll keep an eye on all of those. All of these classic games and the rivalry games this week. And then we get to talk about the playoffs. We might have something special coming up about those playoffs. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about some potential coaches on the hot seat, perhaps. You will never get me to talk about coaches on the hot seat, but you will get me to talk about <laughs> coaches uh, that are that are potential candidates for uh, free jobs, like and of, in, you know, jobs that are open. And of course, the snubs. There's always the, the snubs. That's the fun. <laughs> that's the best part. That is the best. We might have to bring Craig Haley on next week. That would be a great idea. And if you would like to see that, at Craig Haley on Twitter, just send him a note. Hey, why don't you jump on the podcast or just don't threaten him. That's all we ask. Yeah, don't threaten Craig. <laughs> just don't threaten. He's already he's he's already our our uh, HR department, our PR department. So we can't have him be <laughs> in full charge of complaints. You know what? He is a soccer fan, so you probably can't attack Craig. But Hale. he is a New York Red Bulls fan, so we share that in common. New York events. Attack the Dave too on Twitter as well, too. <laughs> Folks, thanks again for listening in. We'll be back with our playoff preview show next week. Thanks for listening.